0: Welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast,
1: the latest on shares, markets and investments. Now available on your Amazon Alexa. Hello and welcome to the UK Investor Magazine podcast, now also available on the UK Investor Magazine mobile app. For today's podcast, we're going to be drilling down into a number of UK equities and first of all, touching on some of the key macro themes out there at the moment. And to do that once more, we're joined by Alan Green. Alan, thank you very much for being with us this morning. Morning, John.
0: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: So we've got a particularly interesting, I feel, Alan, uh, week in, uh, in in markets because we're starting to see some of these concerns actually start to play out in equities. We've been speaking through the month of August, uh, t- typified by lower volumes in markets. We've seen the grind higher here in the, in the UK and over in, in US markets in the face of Know, what was pretty pretty gloomy and depressing forecast in terms of inflation and uh, looking at GDP and growth figures for that period. But just in the last few days, we've started to see markets drop. And, you know, it really sort of goes back to this notion of, of markets when they're going up, it's like climbing a long set of stairs. And when they fall, uh, it's like coming crashing down in, in an elevator. And that's certainly what we've seen, uh, in the FTSE 100s, in the last few days, you know we've, we've given up roughly uh, sort of five percent in uh, in markets. And looking at where we were, I think even just last week when we spoke on the podcast, Alan, it was about seventy five hundred. We're now looking uh, at a print uh, beneath seventy two hundred uh, on the FTSE 100. So, you know, when we're looking at this situation, Alan, I mean, do you think this is this is markets playing catch up with? Uh, the news that we, we've seen, or or do you think there's been, you know, given that there's been, you know, increased comments um, from the, the central banks? Of course, at the end of last week, we had Jackson Hole. Uh, Jerome Powell there uh, wasn't overly optimistic about the markets, and he, he didn't give anybody much hope that he would be turning around his pace of interest rate hikes. So, I mean, do you think that's been the catalyst, or do you think it's just simply a case of people coming back from holiday, looking at the bigger picture and thinking, we shouldn't be at these higher levels.
0: I think people are still on hold, actually, John. To be honest with you, um, <laughs> but I, I think we, I think we've got, um, we've got this wall of worry, haven't we? We've got uh, all of these factors that are impacting on markets. Of course, we've got the Ukraine Russia war rumbling on. We have uh, uncertainty over the ongoing COVID strains that might 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 reemerge. China's policy on dealing with that, and of course, it's. Um, sabre-rattling with Taiwan, we've got all of this this cocktail of of uh, events and possible outcomes that people are trying to factor into their forecasts. And of course, that means the indices um, will trade positively on good news. And then when uh, negative uh, news comes out, such as the, the, the rather bearish um, outlook from Jackson Hole, that, of course, then brings the markets back down again. So, um, we're just in my view seeing a normal uh, range bound uh, or, or, or a normal uh, uh, trading pattern the the FTSE very much range bound and of course impacted positively positively or negatively by by news that's released by the major constituents of the marketplace but of course at the moment there's uh, there's very little news around it's a bit quiet um so uh, so of course we have to trade on what we can see and and what we and the macro factors that impact the markets as we go forward. But I don't think there's been a colossal collapse. I don't think there's been a catastrophic collapse yet in the markets. The markets are looking forward, as they always do, six to nine months, and trying to anticipate what's going to happen. And at the moment, we're still seeing light volumes, and I don't think we'll see any meaningful increase in volumes or liquidity in the markets until probably the middle end of September.
1: Indeed, indeed. So I just want to pick up on something that you you said there, Alan, and, and that, that's focusing around company announcements. And of course, we've had half years out uh, in, in the last few months, which have been like, relatively upbeat. You know, there was a good um, second quarter of 2022 in terms of earnings. But I you know, really want to focus today on dividend payers, yeah. because of course, when you're looking at you know, markets like this that could potentially have significant levels of volatility uh, thrown in, into the mix going forward, investors, of course, will start to look to to dividend payers, high income stocks as a way of uh, of mitigating any volatility, looking for compensation during a wait for capital appreciation. And you know, looking at the FTSE 100 over the, f- the last few days, and looking at some of the dividend payers out there, uh, Alan, I think that's something that we're going to focus on today. Mm. And you know, look at look at these companies, and and look at some of these high yields, and think whether the historical yields are really set to be to be slashed, or could indeed be maintained, and whether you know you're looking at these companies that are yielding you know 10 and above, and you know thinking, are we going to be able to get that going forward? So. You know, when we're looking at the FTSE 100's top dividend payers, we have, and this is based on historical dividends. Uh, looking at Persimmon is the top one, 15.9%, Rio Tinto 12.1%, Antofagasta 10.9%, Aberdeen 9.9%, and M and G 9.3%. Now Ab- Ab- Aberdeen has been confirmed that they're going to be demoted to the FTSE 250. So we we'll take them out of the uh the, the equation for now. But if we if we take each of these, Alan, and, and we sort of look first of all at Persimmon, you know, a historical yield there fifteen point nine percent. You know that that's, you know, astronomical. Uh, you know, to to have a FTSE one hundred company get that sort of yield uh, would be fantastic. But I think there that has to come with some some caveats. So you know, looking at Persimmon, Alan, and looking at their dividend policy in particular and taking into consideration that we're we're getting you know negative comments coming out about the housing market but we've just had the nationwide uh housing index uh show that again in August there was a 10% increase in prices year on year although that was down from 11% on the year prior it's slowing but still 10% i mean when when you're looking at, at persimmon that over the last 10 years has been a huge dividend payer I mean, is there any chance of getting a fifteen percent yield at current prices, or do you think this is the payouts are set to fall?
0: It's a it's a very good point. Um, the strength of the UK housing market is legendary. Um, of course, we're a finite territory, so we're an island, so um, space is always at a premium, and uh, and I think that's one of the reasons for the incredibly resilient housing market that we're seeing at the moment. But there there, there is bound to be a correction at some point, and it may just be. Uh, well, I, I believe it will just be a, gen, a gentle correction. I mean, if we look at Persimmon's half-year announcements uh, to 30th of June, um, one point. We, we spoke about this, of course, a few weeks ago. One point seven billion revenues, pre-tax profits of four hundred and forty, um, slightly down on previously, but um, but it's the strength in the company is driven by by house prices, um, A very strong forward order book, which increased from. Last year, last year was two point two three billion, two point three billion for next year. So it's showing no signs of of of, um, of a downturn, and I think that's going to be the key to supporting it. Whether, as you say, the pressures of cost inflation, of course, building material costs we know are going up all the time, um, and this is this is uh, it, it's not just the actual costs as well. There have been issues with availability too. Of course, uh, you know some. Material shortages, um, although it doesn't seem to have affected Persimmon because companies like Persimmon make sure that they can secure supplies and they and they have um, they have uh, you know very uh, a very complex operation in place to ensure that that continues. As of course to the other house major house builders, but um, it is t- totally reliant on the housing market. So um, buying Persimmon is a bet on the housing market whether given the share price has fallen steadily from a year high of nearly 30 pounds a share to 14 pounds 50 so we're we're right on those year lows now whether that 16 percent dividend yield can be maintained is unlikely because of course it means the value of the the company has fallen and of course the if there's any impact on earnings going forward then that will have to be reflected in the payout but certainly at the moment um given the the primary driver for persimmon the value in persimmon is and what our house prices i don't see i don't see it really falling off a cliff um i i think it's likely we're likely to see a further reduction in the share price going forward um but i don't think it's going to fall off a cliff and therefore you know if you can get in at this level and even uh, the, even for one period, collect that dividend. Then you know it's um, it's it's a pretty it's a pretty solid investment.
1: Yes, yes. Yeah. I mean, you know, looking at how they've changed their, their 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 dividend policy. Well, not changed their dividend policy, but changed their payout based on their dividend policy. There has been fluctuations, hmm. and if we and if we do see a slowdown in the housing market, now of course prices are probably going to stay you know reasonably elevated due to the lack of supply in the market it's all down to the volumes as we discussed on the podcast a couple of weeks ago when persimmon actually reported so that's going to have the impact on on their earnings and you know 16 percent at this level you know are they going to pay out the same amount as they did previously probably not i'd be surprised if they did um but you you know I i wouldn't expect to see um, you know, a complete scrapping of the dividend mm. from, uh, from Persimmon. By any stretch of the imagination, they're, they're generating huge amounts of cash. Um, but I think we'll probably start to see a more sensible yield if, um, you know, in a hypothetical situation that we start to see Persimmon trade dead flat through into next earnings. Um, that yield will probably come down. But obviously, there'll be fluctuations in the share price up to that. Yeah. So, but it's all about the volumes, in my view, for
0: Persimmon. it is but I, I also think just picking up on your point there i mean looking currently we've got a yield of 16 percent, which is astonishing so so they could they could still cut that yield dramatically and say bring it to just below 10 percent, and that's still almost uh equaling inflation because of course i think a lot of people invest into high dividend stocks to look to beat inflation so if you can pick up Persimmon at this level, and the dividends reduced to ten percent, and then you see a capital gain. You're still ahead of the game.
1: Indeed, indeed, that's an interesting stock, an interesting sector to keep uh, to keep an eye. We're not going to go through every single one of these five, but we're going to, we're going to discuss a couple more of them. Um, so the next one makes sense to to look at is Rio Tinto, Alan. Cu- current yield twelve point one percent, and as listeners to the podcast will know, we've discussed Rio Tinto. Previously, but they, I mean, these are based on what was a, a bumper year for them. I think it was, you know, the, the highest, uh, the highest records on, uh, highest profits on record. So, you know, given the outlook for metals and given, you know, just the, the, this morning, we're seeing China, obviously the world's biggest consumer of natural resources, locking down Chengdu, which is a city of 21 million people in, in their fight against. Uh, COVID, they've got like a zero COVID policy over there. And that, you know, that ha- has to have a demand on on, on metals. Um, you know, how does that play out for Rio Tinto and their dividend going forward? Well, I think,
0: uh, I think as you say, Rio's come off a spectacular year. Um, and of course, when it announced uh, numbers um, uh, at the end of July, first half profits fell by 29%, um, you know, driven by weaker iron ore prices, uh, you know, a, a fall in demand from China that doesn't look like it's going to be fixed anytime soon and of course on the back of that um the company halved its dividend uh, to $2.67 $2. down from $5.61 a year earlier so it's um it's still I- I- even though there's a, that's a, a fall in the dividend it's still Rio's second highest interim dividend payout Ever of all time, so you know it needs to be put into context. Um, but of course, the the CEO looking forward has said um, the pricing environment is becoming more challenging. But um, looking forward, he believes that uh, the falls that uh, that the, the falls and the weakening demand in China will continue. But he expects to see to see a troughing of that. So we talked about bumping along the bottom. If persimmon bumps along the bottom, the chief exec of uh, Rio believes the share price will pretty well do that in the fourth fourth quarter. So of course if that pans out we've still got a very substantial dividend um and certainly if you wanted um if you wanted a litmus test of the global mining picture at any time Rio really is the company that I think uh, reflects that as as well as any other uh, other big players and of course it's very much a cornerstone for investment funds going forward. But um there are concerns and of course, um and of course as as, as I said at the start, we the in indices is climbing this wall of worry the whole time. So it's gonna climb, then it's gonna fall, it's gonna climb, then fall, but it's it's within a range the whole time. So it's certainly not falling out of bed yet. Rio share prices uh just off year lows at 45, just under 46 pounds a share at the moment, down from 63 pounds uh, there's 63 pounds um, uh, high this year, um, and uh, and you know, really, I think if if you take the CEO's comments um, uh, going forward, he's got a very good read on the situation. You know, Rio Rio forecasting has always been very good, um, and of course, they pay they pay out a big chunk of underlying earnings uh, uh, every year um, in dividends. So, I think going forward, probably at this level, it's still fairly safe. I think. Um, when it comes to dividend policy, the company also has to balance the impact. If it cuts it too much, then uh, the stock could get dumped by a lot of investment funds, and of course, uh, you know the that um, that concern about falls on the market becomes a reality, um, or, or, or the concerns about falling the share price becomes a reality, um, and that's 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 very key when the company uh, or, or when the rear boards uh, uh, meets to discuss the. The dividend payout for the coming year so going forward i still think rio if, if you were looking at investing in the company you now you might want to wait until we get to the fourth quarter and you see the stock starting to bump along the bottom and if it does that then that could very well be a good entry point for uh, for buying, buying the stock
1: yes Yes. yeah so i mean of course you know, the mine is the highest beta sector in the FTSE 100 in terms of their, their share price. And that really reflects their earnings, which then uh, really reflects in the, in their dividends. So, you know, given what's happening out there, metal prices at the moment, a bit of a slowdown, expect volatility in, in earnings alongside volatility in, in, in share price. But, um, you know, Rio Tinto like to be seen as, as a strong dividend payer. So any changes to that, I don't think will be overly dramatic unless we see a, a really strong Recession, global recession, which I don't think anybody's predicting uh, at, at, at the moment. You know, there might be a dip in softness there. Um, so, you know, looking at Rio Tinto, their, their yield, they're probably set to reduce going forward, uh, but but still, I think you know, over the long term, it will be a respectable dividend payer. So, you're going to move on now. Of course, there's Anto next in the list and and, and Aberdeen, but we're going to look at M and G now quickly. Alan came to the market through an IPO. In uh, 2019, uh, it had, you know, a bit of a rude awakening to the market because shortly afterwards we had the start uh, of of the pandemic and we short and saw shares in M and G uh, crash down to about a pound uh, with the rest of the market. But we've seen them tick up since; they're now trading at about. Let's have a look here. Two. They're trading just underneath two pounds. They have a, a yield here of 9.3%. Now I'm looking at this, Alan, thinking of these these top five that we've picked out, th- these are the ones that are probably going to be the most reliable in their dividend going forward. Uh, you know, looking at their, their capital generation, that was up to 433 million in the last period. Mm. Uh, they saw inflows 1.2 billion throughout the business. And as a business that core operations is being the custodian and, and managing People's investments and and savings. Their board's going to be pretty keen to uh, to maintain their dividend uh, just from a you know a PR exercise. So you know, looking at uh, M and G, Alan, and there anything that that you see there that would disagree with my view on that?
0: <coughs> no, not at all. No, I I I I agree. I think also, given the uncertainty in the markets at the moment, um, a lot of investors might be. Uh, pulling out of some of, some of the dividend-paying stocks and moving cash into M and G, and as as John Foley, the chief executive, said, you know they've seen they've seen a strong inflow of um, of, of funds uh, from from investors, uh, which is which is a very good sign. So investors uh, are, would probably look at M and G and think, well, they they invest across a wide range of sectors, and um, and uh, the assets include um, the equities. Fixed income and of course real estate, so it's a very risk averse portfolio that the company is invested in. And if we look at the share price performance over the year, um, yeah, it's not been a huge amount of movement really. It's a year high of two, uh, hundred and thirty pence a share, year low of one sixty nine per share, and of course currently just trading at below two pounds, so currently midway. And with that dividend yield going forward, I think if you if you wanted to be absolutely sure. And be safe in uncertain times. This is probably the company that you plumb for because it just has that risk averse portfolio. Um, certainly, the uh, you know the company's uh, company stated aim is to uh, you know generate two and a half billion in operating cap operating capital by two thousand twenty four. And certainly, given what it's done in the first half of the year, um, as announced uh, on the eleventh uh, of August, it seems to be. On target to do that, um, and the the company's policy is to pay one third of the previous year's total dividend um, uh, with, with with the uh, with the interim. So, so the dividend per share is up two percent, um, uh, uh, also as a, as a result of the share buyback program. So you know this is going to be, I believe, a very popular stock going forward. And if the macro picture remains uncertain, then I think uh, the company looks highly likely to achieve that target of two and a half billion operating capital generation by 2024
1: yeah just look at the chart here it's quite quite an interesting move you know it, it's not one if you look over the last six months it's not one that's particularly volatile it's been ranging between uh, 180 and up to about 220 just just about maybe about 230 and it's been stuck within that range you're obviously getting towards the bottom of yeah. that and you know this is this is one just like the other asset managers uh, in uh, in foot 100 FTSE 250. Uh, that very much trade in line with overall market sentiments. You know, maybe that it doesn't track the, the FTSE 100 uh, as close as it may track the S&P 500, yeah. for, for example. You know, the s and is a little bit broader We we have, you know, focus on um, you know, energy and, you know, that's not representative of the global economy. But, you know, c- companies that, you, that work and, and operate within asset management and investment management tend to track the broad equity indices because of course if if we see uh, you know broad falls in, in equities and bonds that means that the portfolios that they hold will ultimately generate less uh, less fees so they they track them you know although it's marginal in in terms of the the trade uh, and now we're sort of looking at you know 195 yield at 9.3% i think this is a probably dividend that they're going to do do their utmost to yeah. maintain so cer- certainly one to to keep an eye on here and and look at that range that they've been in I, I, for the last six months. I agree
0: I, th- I think that range you know the, the that chart really does reflect um you know the the uh the safe nature of this company's investment you know it's um it's not just equities it's fixed income and real estate so that portfolio combined um gives you know gives a very much a different feel to to the to, to to the investability of this in in a period of uncertainty um, and and certainly um, interesting looking at the chart we had that big fall in March but um, we've had a series of three high lows and I think we're just on that third high low at the moment and that's interesting because that does that does point to uh, uh, you know it, it it points to to a potentially a very strong end to the year in terms of share price performance so now could be a very good entry point
1: yes yes certainly one uh, to do some homework on if you're looking for a, a top dividend payer so we're going to move on now alan from the the FTSE 100 dividend payers to a company which looking at the current in environment uh is operating a business which i see growing demand for and this is this is a company that we discussed on the podcast it was a while ago it's probably more than a, than a year ago yeah. so it's smart metering systems sms plc ticker sms um looking at the the chart here on a, on a very basic view alan we've had we've seen a steady a steady uptrend throughout this year so i mean what, what are these guys doing what's driving that rally it's a
0: good looking chart isn't it yeah again just really steady growth but it's typified if you look at the look at, look at the chart sort of over a longer period of time the apart from the obviously you know, there's a big fall in 2019 when some restructuring took place but since then relatively unaffected by covid had a bit of a drop in in march when everything fell but um you know a really strong performance all the way up to september 21 and then obviously the, the, it's it's come back a bit through investments and diversifications but um but the company's delivered a very strong um tr- trading update in the run up to full year results and this is up to Trading update after up June for um, June thirtieth, and um, it it quotes ILAR, which is index-linked annualized recurring revenues, um, and these are up one point uh, sorry up eight uh, percent from the previous period to ninety three point one million. Um, the The company has a portfolio of smart meters, as the name would imply, and that is now at one point nine million in in to, in total numbers. And that's up from 1.7 million in December. So the number of uh, smart meters the company is acquiring um, is is increasing at a rapid rate. And it's the, the company said in its uh, in its trading statement it was seeing continued growth in installation rates and no impact on the supply of meters. So so that means the meters are arriving as quickly as they can be installed, which is a good which is a good thing. Um, the other aspect of the business is the company supplies uh, grid scale uh, batteries so so it's it, it's it's a if you like reserve power for the grid um and uh the 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 company announced that uh it's the first 50 megawatts um uh that uh have been installed are performing ahead of expectations with, with the total pipeline the group um, owns is now 760 megawatts again that's up from seven uh, from 620 megawatts in december last year so Really, really substantial growth in that um, that por- portfolio of assets this year. Um, and the company's uh, also seeing growth in other areas too. It's invested into EV charging infrastructure. Um, and it ended that period with 38 million in cash or 38.6 million in cash and said full year EBITDA and pre-tax profits expected to be ahead of expectations. Uh, the company is very confident. Um, and again, a dividend payer here, 3.75% Dividend yield. Um, so the company's uh, company's uh, dividend of thirty point two p that it'll be paying out is um, is up ten percent on last year, and it aims to grow the dividend by ten percent every year. So if you look at that share price chart um, again with this dividend growth policy, I think it's um, th- this is a great stock given that uh, given of course it's in a an area that we all are very concerned with at the moment, which of course is 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 power supply and, and the cost of the cost of power. Um, the company uh, or the chief exec said in the statement that um, the uh, looking forward, they were very confident because of the defensive nature of the business. You know, it is a defensive stock, and I think um, I think certainly, if you look at that chart for the past year, um, we're seeing steady growth, and I think any. Any drop, uh, we've seen, you know, we've seen a few peaks and troughs, but they're always heading to the top right hand corner, which is a good thing. So um, it's uh, I think any time, any time now, it's a good opportunity to pick this company up simply because it's grown its package of smart meters, of of smart meters. Um, You know, it's added 200,000 smart meters since uh, December last year, Um, and it's adding. It's adding substantial amounts of uh, uh, of uh, potential and power supply to the the uh, the grid scale uh, battery pipeline.
1: Yes, yes. I mean, what's particularly interesting about this company, Alan, is you mentioned there the defensive attributes of it, but it's actually in you know one of the fastest growing markets out there. You know, if we're going to be getting anywhere near these twenty fifty targets on emissions, businesses like this will have to grow exponentially. Yeah. And you know they have they're operating in that growth market, but at the same time they have that defensive attributes, and you know that they're paying a dividend. You know if you look at other companies, of course you can look at electric vehicle companies like Tesla and and the such such like out there. But if you if you're looking here in London, you know there's there's very few options out there uh, that you know offer exposure to. The, the the shift towards lower lower carbon emissions you know of course if you look at the miners providing the metals for it um you know that's one way of doing it you know in terms of actual clean energy companies there's some hydrogen companies out there um which are in their early stages but these guys are out there and doing it looking at some of their um figures in terms of their portfolio you know they're out there they're growing so certainly one that should uh should be looked at for those that are that are looking at investments within the cleaner energy space um so i mean, just looking just to confirm alan with, with their dividends at the moment what what does that look like as a yield it's
0: it's 3.75% so but their their stated intention is to grow this by 10% a year so um so so, so i think i think there's good opportunity if you look at as i say the the chart for the past 5 years uh, so we have the the, the low well, the the 5 year low was in 2019 when the shares dropped were at 3 pounds Eighteen or three hundred eighteen pence. Since then, we've seen a peak in September twenty-one, and I think we're on a another run high at the moment. I mean that it's a very good-looking chart, um, and I'm sure you know chartists in this world would be um, would, would, would would want to take a close look at this. But certainly, you when you've got that uh, stated um, that, that stated policy from the board to grow that dividend year on year, you've then got um, you've then got a, a very defensive business. Backing it and a business that's very much uh, in focus at the moment, uh, you know, uh, 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 power supply and of course um, the, a means of measuring that, uh, measuring that that power supply via smart meters. Uh, I think this company's got still got huge growth potential, and I think we're going to see steady growth through the year. So picking the stock up now and, and of course uh, um, having that dividend yield too. Um, I think this this is going to make a very a very solid um, and. Uh, and uh, high-yielding uh, medium-term investment.
1: Yeah, certainly look at the chart. There's been a series of uh, higher lows each time, which typifies a, an uptrend and and uh, increasing interest in the stock. So certainly one to keep an eye on. So just a recap of the, the stocks that we discussed this week. There was first up Persimmon with a ticker of PSN. It was then Rio Tinto with a ticker of Rio. It was then MNG Investments, the ticker of MNG, and just then was Smart Metering Systems with the ticker of SMS. Alan, thank you very much for being on the podcast. Thank you, John. Thank you for everyone for listening as well.
0: We hope you enjoyed listening to the UK Investor Magazine podcast. Please do share the podcast, and we really value any reviews and comments you leave us in your chosen podcast player.